Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey everybody, welcome to part two of my episode with Michael Loeb, founder of Loeb NYC, a venture collective here in New York. Uh, thrilled to bring you the second part here. We're going to talk about legacy, a little bit more about his daughter, Katie Loeb, who I love and adore, talking about New York City, what makes it amazing, and how we're going to come back from this pandemic and move forward and a whole lot more. So buckle up, stay tuned, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Here we go. So let's shift a little bit and and talk about your daughter, Katie, who, who I absolutely adore and love. And she was my gateway uh, into your awesome organization and absolutely owe her a ton. And I love her. Um, what's it like having Katie play such a, a pivotal role uh, in Loeb? And how is that helping define your legacy? Well, I mean, first of all, it's a joy. Um, she is a, uh, as you observed, and I will only agree, just <laughs> such <hope> so. <laughs> Now, Katie was always that person that would walk into a room and just like light up every single room. She was, you know, in camp, right? She'd always be the camp leader. She'd always be the, you know, they'd always win color war, blah, blah, blah. She always had that quality to her. And um, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, she found her role pretty quickly because I'm a social media idiot. So she um, compliments me there. So if you see anything on social media about me, know that um, I didn't put it there. My daughter did. She sometimes gets me to write stuff and somehow it appears. Um, but um, yeah, I just am not that fast with it. Really don't have time for it. Can't get through my emails anyway. So um but uh, she's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful to have around, wonderful compliment. Um, and, um, you know, we work um, wonderfully together. We don't see each other as much as you think, even she's when we all. Right. We had, um, you know, pre-COVID four floors here. And so she I is. Uh, yeah. So I'm on 14. She's on on six. So we. um um, we probably see each other more now on Zoom than we we ever did in person. And going and going back to that word legacy, I mean, it's people people throw it around. People throw around legacy. I have my definition. What is that legacy? What do you want people yeah. to remember and think of Michael Lobai when your time comes? Right. Well, it'll never come. Right. Right. You have, you the, you, you have the technology for that. You you're going to be encapsulated. Yeah, Ted Williams. Exactly. Ted Williams. We're doing the whole Ted Williams thing here. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, uh, my legacy. I think that um, one. I think we have a very different model, right? Um, so I like that to be the legacy. I have been told, Adam, that it's uh, differentiated. 
I've been told it's rare. I've been told it's unique. This idea of putting together four things, the ideas, the entrepreneurs. And a lot of times we have the ideas and we got these teams of entrepreneurs and we say to the entrepreneurs, here's the ideas, which one do you want to, you know, bite down on? And um, so the ideas, the entrepreneurs, uh, the capital and the know-how. So putting all that together along with infrastructure and community, you know, you've just got all the elements required, you know, for life, right? You got uh, the seed, you got the soil, you got the sun, you got the water. And instead of in four different places, it's all together. And um, that is um, a model that I'd like to be, you know, part of the legacy. The um, uh, as a proof point, I will share that if you talk to most entrepreneurs, they say that 50% of their time, maybe 75% of their time is uh, raising capital or keeping the capital they just raised happy, right? And that's not highest and best use, like building your business is highest and best use, right? So, um, you know, finding people is hard, training people is hard. If you have all that ready, super experienced resource that have been there, done that, seen it all, your chances of success are much greater. So I'd like to have that model, uh, that venture collective model as part of the legacy. And um, I just think um, if I really, you know, as part of my legacy, what I'd like is some people to point at a company and say, wow, that one was pretty cool. And it was, yeah, well, you know, Michael Logue thought of it and built it and, you know, it's helping people and making money and paying for, you know, um, uh, paying forward. Uh, we, um, when, when Synapse was bought by Time Inc., in that moment, um, 26 or 27 people became millionaires in that moment. And um, several people, uh, more than several, have become their own entrepreneurs with great success. And that's huge, right? Paying it forward is huge. Um, I will add one other thing, which is uh, apropos that, uh, there was a poet, I wanna say it was Keats, I'm not sure, who said, um, our names are writ on water. Now he has that on his tombstone, which is kind of like, aha, nana, you know, your name is water, me, I'm in granite, I'm right over there. And um, I want to prove that my name is not written water, right? I'd like that uh, to build some great companies that people look at and say, wow, you know, that is so cool that I'm jealous that I didn't think of that. And uh, that that would be a great legacy to have, along with, uh, you know, Katie Loeb, um, uh, you know, um, having a very important role in the future. Not that she doesn't have it now, but an even more important role. I love it. And we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the pandemic for a little bit, but I want to put a little different spin on it and talk about New York City. I mean, prior to prior to the pandemic, I mean, Loeb HQ was where it was at. I mean, people came into the office, people were there. It was a cross-pollination hive. I when I talk about Loeb, I call it a beehive. Right? I call it an entrepreneurship beehive. That's the analogy I like. What is what does the future look like? What is this quote unquote new normal? Is it some hybrid model? How are we going to pivot and move forward? Well, you mentioned New York City. I'm actually quite, I'm, I'm worried about New York. Um, and um, when the blah, blah, Blasio first started talking about the pandemic, uh, New York, by the way, has a budget of 93.5 billion, right? And it's up massively from when Bloomberg handed over the keys. He was in the 60s, so it's up 50% 
since that period of time. And the blah, blah, Blasio said, um, you know, we're going to be off uh, $7 billion, right, from $93 billion. And all you had to do was look around and say, dude, you, you like, are you kidding me? It's not seven. It's more like 37 or 47. I mean, you are off by a factor of five. Um, when, you know, the pandemic hit, um, it was a mixed bag. I'm delighted to say that, you know, even though it was tragic for many, many people, uh, this has been an acceleration of existing trends and uh, the direct to the consumer and tech stuff. And we have a lot in. I mean, look at levels. Penrose Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And Penrose Hill is up three and a half times. It's going to end the year at about $103, $104 million in revenue. Um, so, uh, you know, very clearly, uh, this was going to be off you know, by orders of magnitude more than $7 billion. Uh, for those companies, and we had one in event tech, one in travel tech, one in real estate tech, well, guess what? Those weren't going to do so well. So the message to the CEOs were, hey, you got you to do a couple of things, but you got to dial it back. You got to preserve your capital, reduce your burn rate. You know, none of that is pleasant, but you got to do that. But then you can do something else, which is think about the things that you can do now that you couldn't do otherwise. And I talk all the time about, you know, these companies, these growing companies, they have got to build the bicycle and ride it at the same time, right? They're always building new techs, tech and they're putting it in. Well, if you don't have any customers, right, then you don't have to ride it at the same time. You're just building. And that makes it like three X easier. So you have New York and, the blah, blah, blahzio kept it functioning, as in kept MTA open, you know, same number of trains, same number of buses. And I would come into New York and the trains were empty and the buses were empty, right? Everything empty, empty, empty. And, you know, there's 335,000-ish employees in New York and every single one you maintained on payroll. And yet, you know, in stimulus one, everybody was getting an extra an extra $900 a week. Well, why not let the federal government finance local government? But he didn't do that. And um, then I would have done something else. You know, in Sandy, there's that one line going out to Brooklyn that was damaged and they say right. it's going to be like three years. Year. You could have knocked that out, right, in like nine months, right? Because there's no traffic. Just shut the thing down and you know, go fix nuts and, and fix it, right? Nine months. But no, we didn't do anything. And then kind of extrapolate that into all the roads, all the bridges, all the potholes, all the things that you cannot do, all the repair work you cannot do when, you know. Yeah, prime time. Right. And um, so it was so mismanaged, so profoundly mismanaged. And now, of course, we're missing the Amazon money that AOC kicked out of the city, oh, right? I mean, that's our another podcast. She, <laughs> she misunderstood what that was. I mean, she kept on saying New York City is not going to write a three billion dollar check to a zillionaire like you know Jeff Bezos. Well, no, that's what that's not what it was. It was a thirty billion dollar deal, minimum thirty billion dollar deal with a ten percent discount. You want a thirty billion dollar deal from me? Ten percent discount? I'm delighted. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Where do I sign up? <laughs> 
But now, you know, that was, as promised, a minimum of 25,000 jobs. These were not warehouse jobs. These no. were like tech jobs. Yeah, these are you know, jobs. in all this, it would have been 50,000, right? Yeah. Because Amazon is off the hook. The stimulus. So you would add like 50,000 jobs, new jobs. Uh, on the other side of Queens is uh, Roosevelt Island and Cornell Tech, right? Perfect, sympathetic type of thing. The second HQ you got Cornell Tech, um, what a magnet for engineers. And then everything that, you know, a 27-year-old millennial that is- uh, New York City, Brooklyn, everything, it was all there. It was stimulating, it would stimulate. It would... Right, and where what they, what they had mapped out, these were like ancient, you know, decrepit warehouses, right? That they would have transformed and the ripple effect with the housing and the restaurants and everything else and how they could say to them, you know, uh, no, we don't want your gentrification. No, we're not going to write you a $3 billion check and don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. Are you kidding me? Right. Are you kidding me? Catastrophic. So, it is catastrophic. So I worry about New York because uh, the new number is either again, 37 billion or 47 billion down. Uh, the knee jerk reaction is let's tax the rich even more. And I, uh, yeah, and what the rich have discovered is that number one, you can work from home and home can be anywhere. That's your new headquarters. Number two, all the charms of New York, right? Have gone, no Broadway, no shows, no restaurants, gone. And, um, you know, you don't have an office anymore, right? It used to be very convenient. You could walk to work, right? It used to be very convenient because your kid's private school, right? But now the private school is Zoom. Now there is no office. Now uh, the 13% VIG, 13% VIG on income, right? And that used to be gross and federal was deducted. That's no longer true since 2017. So 13% is 13%. If you have a $10 million income, right? 13% of that is 1.3 million that buys a $20 million house, right? That's the mortgage yeah. on a $20 million house in Florida. Yeah, so in the government of Florida or Texas, the government of Florida, Texas is paying for a, you're getting a $20 million house for free. And we have, you know, um, the prevailing wisdom is let's tax the rich more. And it's like, are you nuts? Have you not seen what's going on? And I will tell you that so many of my friends are doing a Florida trial right now, right? Mm -hmm. They're in Miami, they're in uh, Palm Beach, and you know they rented a house for two months, seeing how it's they warm. like it. It's nice, warm. It's nice. It's scary, so, scary, Michael. And you know, there's another saying from John Malone, who built TCI. Uh, Malone said, "You can't get mad at your money," and so you can't get mad at your money. So, what's the money of New York? It's tourism right? And people of means, right? And you don't have tourism and you're telling the people of means that, you know, there, there we forget um, the blah, blah, Blasio on his two debates. He was saying, if you want to donate to my campaign, go to hashtag tax the hell out of the rich.com to donate to me. And, you know, if the rich are feeling that they're part of the problem and not part of the solution, they're out of here. Uh, that is right. They're out of here. I mean, it, it's one thing to tax the rich. 
another thing to make them not feel welcome. You know, that's bad. So what's right? what's the plan? How are we going to bounce back? I mean, if any city in the world could do it, it's going to be New York. And thank God for yeah, Wall that, Street. Thank God for Wall Street money, tax money. If it wasn't for Wall Street. Well, they're moving, right? You got a lot of them moving out. Um, but um, I think we need, I, if we don't have the right government, we're in trouble. If we do have the right government uh, and they have the right approach, right, then um, you can make it work. And I'll, I, I'll tell you one philosophy, and I don't want to wax politics here. I'll tell you one philosophy, which is make the wealthy pay for privilege. Right, what does that mean? Trip. I'll give you an example. All right. I have a townhouse in Manhattan uh, on 72nd in Madison. Um, I would pay $2 million to have a parking spot in front of my house. Right now, it's parking for anybody. Probably. <clears throat> and uh, take the meter down. I will write a check to the city for $2 million as long as it ran with the land. And I'd also pay another $25,000 in real estate taxes, right? A year. For that privilege. Now, that privilege. Now that's Park in front of your house. Put it in front of my house. Why? I happen to have a, you know, Katie has a younger brother. He's four and a half, you know. Uh, you know, you got people and groceries and blah, blah, blah. You, who wants you want to, to have a driveway car? in New York City. You want to have a driveway. And I would spend $2 million for that. And I got to tell you, I know a thousand people just like me who would do that, and they would do that every single year. And all I know is that a thousand times two million is two billion, and that can go, you know, right into helping, you know, the MTA rebuild our subways, right? Yeah, but then they would all get their all 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 the liberal side would get their arms up in the air, elitist, all these. Of course, you can't do that. But I mean, paying for privilege, right? And you know, I'll give you another example, Grand. Old Army Plaza, which is very small. They call it a plaza is to really aggrandize it, but it's right across from the plaza. It's the one with that gold statue of some general that I'm sure they're going to tear down someday. <laughs> don't even know who it is. But, um, you know, they decided, um, you know, New York City decided they wanted to renovate that, right? And it was a little decrepit, fine. And uh, somebody like... Um, Schwarzman or somebody stepped up with $25 million. And again, it's just a spit of land. And de Blasio said, what? 20, only 25 million? Like, screw you, right? It, it, you know, 50 million or forget it. Such and the guy said, okay, I'll forget it. And it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's gotta what, go. what? Yeah. but we take so much of this for granted. And again, I'm not, I know this sounds like a political thing. What I'm really saying is, it's a logic, which is you can't get manager money, right? And if it wasn't for tourism and people of means, you know, the city would not, I mean, the bridges, the roads, the hospitals, the schools, the school, school, schools, um, you know, they just, I mean, they just, they'd be even worse off than they are now by a lot. Right. And, and, and would you say that restaurateurs are the original old school entrepreneurs, right? Like, how, how is this going to bounce back? How, how the hell, all these open, like, who's going to come open a restaurant in New York City? It's going to be until we have, you know, until we have an effective vaccine and until right. everybody, which is, you know, far off, it's, uh, it's going to be hard. I mean, you go, it's not just restaurants, you go up and down Madison Avenue, 
right? Um, you know, from my office, it's on 56th Street. My house is on 72nd. If you walked on either 5th or Madison, but more Madison, oh, my God, every every third storefront is empty. empty. Sad. And um, so I will tell you, Adam, if we can get the right-minded administration, right, and the type of administration that is not in a fit of, you know, progressiveness, uh, fit of whatever, is going to say, you know, we're going to bang the rich even more because they will move. They now have figured out that they don't have to be here. So they will move. If we get the right administration, I think long term, New York will be in fine shape. Now, everybody says New York has always bounced back, but I got a different reason. It always has, but I got a different reason, which is <clears throat> I met um, both Katie's mother and my current wife at work, right? And that's where most people met, you know, their mate. Pre-Tinder, right. Tinder, well, but pre-hashtag um, me too. And now we've all been lectured you know, again and again and again, that you can't, can't say to anybody, hey, you look great in that dress, right? That's just verboten. So if you can't even say that, uh, and it's just too dangerous, if it's all third rail, then you're not going to find your spouse at work, okay? Again, that's not a political comment. Uh, there's probably a lot of good stuff about, you know, that is coming about that. I mean, nobody wants harassment. I agree. Uh, but, um, you know, then where are young people going to, find um, other people. And the fact of the matter is it's going to be restaurants, bars, museums, and you're not going to find that in Stanford, Connecticut, or Larchmont, or wherever, right? Um, it's it's super concentrated in New York. Uh, the building that I am speaking from, 712 Fifth on 56th and 5th, catty corner from the Trump building, not by design, okay? But uh, we're right you know, in kind of a sea of super talls, mm -hmm. right? That are getting all sorts. This will be a great condominium someday, right? Yeah, we're going to convert it. We're all going to wake up, Adam, and we're all going to say, and I think, you know, uh, you know, our children's children are going to say, hey, Grandpa Adam, they'll have a nickname for you of some sort. But, sure. uh, you know, hey, Grandpa Adam, you, you mean you add an office and a home office? You, you went office somewhere? Right, you went some. You went somewhere, and and how wasteful! You needed both. I mean, and um, oh, I look do at that carbon footprint. <laughs> I that's exactly right. I do think there's going to be a big tilt towards 1099, big tilt towards 1099. We're halfway there by working from home, and it's, now I want to work from home every all the time. And then it becomes you know with mobility and all that implication. Now you can get a job. You know, you can get a gig. Everybody is going to be a gig. Lawyers, accountants, they're mm -hmm. all be gigs, right? You don't need to be employed. Advantages well, aside from health insurance, health insurance is too expensive. You need to have that subsidy. That's a whole other conversation. Now, Benefits. Here's what here's what you get. Uh, you get uh, you get to write off your office. You get to write off your car. You get to write right. off a lot of stuff. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, with your paycheck. Uh, the government eats first, and here they got to rip it out of your the money out of your clutching hands, right? Occupation is nine tenths of law, right? So uh, even with the health insurance uh, issue, and that is a business idea right there. It's come up with a health insurance thing for that. Something for that better person. than Oscar. I mean, you and I can have an offline conversation about my my struggles with health insurance, but absolutely. So um, 
Yeah, um, we can. Um, I think the world is going to turn into that, but you're going to need um, all that New York City offers, all of the restaurants, all the shopping, all the museums, all the theater, all the bars, uh, and uh, because you know, young people are going to need places to meet because it's in the workplace, right? Yeah. I mean, one, we can't say we can't we can't do anything that sounds like flirting, but two, we're not in the office anyway, so. Um, they're going to need, um, you know, they're going to need to meet their significant others and, you know, in a different, you know, venue. Strange, strange new world. Work. It used to be work. Absolutely. So, so So let's bring it home here. And there's one question that I need to get in here before I get to my, before I get to my, my encore, Michael, is there one go-to question when you're interviewing folks and to work for you, not interviewing entrepreneurs for investments, is there one go-to signature Michael Loeb interview question? Mm. Um, and this is my I, lead gen hook to get people to listen to the show. Gotcha. I got it. Um, the answer is no. Um, but uh, I do will I sometimes I lead with something like, tell me about the lemonade stand that you, you know, that you started when you were eight. And they, you know, if they say yes, there's one of three answers. Yeah, look, let me tell you about the lemonade stand. Uh two, um, no, it wasn't a lemonade stand. It was a paper route. Or three, no, I, I was watching TV at the time. So that will tell you a lot. Tell things about whether or not you got an entrepreneur or not, a potential entrepreneur or not. So uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I love it. And, and last but not least, you've had an incredible career, incredible journey. You've had ups and downs professionally. You've had ups and downs personally. You've been through a lot. You've come out stronger, always in the end. What keeps you focused? What is that compass? Michael Loeb, what is your North Star? Well, uh, you know what? I got to tell you, it's what you asked about earlier, um, legacy, right? And um, um, having my name not written water, but written granite, uh, making companies that make a difference um, gives me incredible satisfaction to helping an entrepreneur become successful. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, that never gets old. That never gets tired. Coming up with an idea, Adam, you know, one of the great things is coming up with an idea that was under everybody's noses for years and years and years and years, and nobody put it together. And uh, people do ask me, Michael, where do you come up with this stuff in the shower? And I go, yeah, sometimes it's a shower. Sometimes it's, you know, just before I fall asleep and I got to write it down. Sometimes it's just talking about a subject out loud is something I don't know. But I do know this. It's not like you can say, okay, at Thursdays at three to five, we're having a brainstorming uh, session and we're coming up with the next, we gotta, you know, we gotta come up with $5 billion ideas, you know, in, in two hours. That does not work. Not right. Um, that's what I, you, um, before we end, I do wanna, you, you, you asked about Rich Vogel and I, we didn't really get into it. I kind of probably interrupted either you or me three or four times, but uh, yes, Rich has been my partner for, 35 years now. Uh, we actually share an office so he can overhear everything that I say, because when I get off the phone, he says, you just realized what you promised, right? And I said, I didn't say that. He goes, yes, you did. You said that. I heard you. I, I literally heard you through the wall. <laughs> so um, we have this wonderful yin yang. I am the bright, shiny object guy. I fall in love with ideas. And Rich is the guy who says, yeah, you like that idea? Well, let me tell you, it's illegal. 
right? Stuff okay. like that. But it, um, you need, everybody needs a good editor and he's a wonderful editor. I love it. And, um, yeah, that is, um, you know, between the two of us, we really do complete one another. And um, uh, it's um, great to have someone like Rich Vogel, um, you know, kind of cover your back. And I can't imagine not having, not having Rich Vogel. And um, God forfend, he comes to me one day and says, he'll never do it. But, you know, hey, Michael, you know, I'm fine. I got my, I got my house. I got everything, you know, I'm fine. Don't have to do this anymore. I, I couldn't function. I couldn't begin to function. So I'm counting on him uh, to uh, keep on going. I love it. Michael Loeb, first and foremost, thank you for spending some time with me and the audience uh, this morning. I greatly appreciate it. And I just want to thank you personally for believing in me, for giving me a chance. Hopefully I did well by you guys. Looking forward to continuing our relationship. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you. And I want to wish you a fantastic holiday and a very happy and healthy new year, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And All thank right. you. And everyone who is joining us today, you know where to find us on the podcast.com. I will link you up to Loeb. You can find everything you need there. Remember, take care of each other. Wash your hands. Stay six feet apart. Happy and a healthy new year. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>